This is Teresa Heisman and Thomas Makwa from Profile Developers and this is episode 5. And tonight we are going to talk about modular development. So there's a website dedicated to FileMaker modules and it's called modularfilemaker.org and it's maintained by Geist Interactive. This was a concept of the website was a the I guess the brainchild of Todd Geist and he has been championing modular development in FileMaker for quite a while. This The oldest modules on the site are from 2013, so this has been around for, been quite, around a for while. quite a while. So let's talk about what is modular development. Modular development is used in a whole bunch of different programming languages, the, the concept of it, mm -hmm. but in, in other languages. And the definition from Wikipedia is basically modular programming is software design technique that emphasizes separating the functionality of a program into independent, interchangeable modules, and that each contains everything necessary to execute only one aspect of the desired functionality. In FileMaker terms, that is a little bit different, because, of course, FileMaker is a little bit different than everything else. Hansa from 2 for You Software, mm -hmm. the way he worded it was, modular scripting is a way of writing scripts so that each and every script, when copied to another solution, will simply work properly when performed at any time. So modular scripting has a lot to do with abstraction yes. of code. So that, uh, like you said, it can be copied and pasted without having to add new fields or having to add anything in particular in a perfect world. In a perfect world. It wouldn't, it wouldn't rely on specific fields, specific layouts, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. I mean, a, a lot of the FileMaker ones do uh, because they come in a FileMaker file that you can either bolt on to an existing solution or you can copy and paste layouts and scripts and schema from that file and drop it into your files. But in a truly modular script, you could literally just drop it in and it uses variables. And you may need to get into a configuration script to set up some of the variables. But other than that, the whole thing just kind of works on its own. And in FileMaker, so you, you take down, break it down to a, a, a small task. So a CRM is not a module because it right. does too many things. It's too big. However, a tool or module that manages your accounts, manages the user accounts and security, that's one task. So that's a module. Even though it's made up of a layout because you need an interface, it might have, I believe the module that we use for accounts does have something for global fields that are used on that layout. So it, it does need to know a couple different things that might have to be customized within the module. And you'll deal with that later. Yeah, another definition, uh, Jesse Barnum had said, a modular script is one that performs a useful function with no external dependency outside that script. Those definitions are referring to specifically just scripts, like modular scripts that you can copy and paste or import from one solution to another. But I think of modules as something that's a little bit more encompassing. There could be custom functions, there could be value lists, there could be, you know, and other pieces to make up a fully functioning module. Right, and, and uh, on modularfilemaker.org, there's around 70 yep. modules that are listed. Some of them, as you said before, dating back to 2013. So some of the modules, some of the functionality that they provide for the older modules, those functions are now available Rolled in the newer, newer versions of software. For example, there is a module that creates, it bundles 
values into JSON. Right. Correct? Um, which, from version 16, FileMaker version 16, we have those functions uh, already built in to the program. So we don't need to have an external module uh, or custom function to package JSON for us because we have it available in the program. But for those people out there who still have version 14, that could be useful to them. And it lets them gear up for updating to later versions and they can switch over from the fun from the module into using FileMaker's built-in functionality. So that's, that's the idea of a module is if you want to know about them, I highly recommend just go to modularfilemaker.org mm -hmm. and you know look browse through the pro browse the modules browse that are available. They're all free. I'm not sure if they all have exactly the same licensing, but the ones that I have seen and, and have used, the licensing is basically make sure that you keep the about information in the script uh, that names who the author it is, when it was done, notes. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, you can implement it into any of your solutions. You can distribute your solutions for the most part without any limitations. Again, read the licenses for each one mm -hmm. to make sure that you're, you're not breaking any rules there. If you are developing your own or you're implementing one of theirs, there are some standards that they came up with. Are the standards listed on the site? Yes. They're on some page on the site. But they detail, because people, if you, if you have some external functionality that, that you want to build into a module, you can submit your module to modularfilemaker.org and it might be included if it follows these protocols and is considered good enough quality to be published. Yeah, I don't know right? what kind of checking they do, but I never downloaded a module that look junky. They all <laughs> look, they're all yeah, well organized. Yeah, the, the ones and they're that all... I've used are well documented. Yeah. That's very important. And the, because in many cases, like you said before, there are layouts included that give instruction and allow you to interface with the functionality. They might have buttons with scripts that are linked to the scripts that you could easily put in your own solution, but you could also just grab their interface and you know, change the theme to match yours and just kind of uh, incorporate it that way. Yeah, I found the instructions to be extremely clear that I wouldn't be nervous about assigning this to a, a junior or intermediate developer. I think I think some of them are a, a bit much if you're literally a beginner. Oh, yeah. Uh, with scripting or you certainly don't need to be an expert to stick in a module that is mm -hmm. designed expertly. Right. Yeah, in, in many cases, you just need to define some parameters. And as long as you're feeding it the right parameters, it'll work fine. Right. So that's the best case scenario for a module is that you just paste everything in. And whenever you run it, you pass it some parameters. When you run it, it does its thing and it gives you a result at the end. Like that's, that's the ultimate best. Mm -hmm. That rarely happens. There's usually something that you have to configure within. And part of the rules for development for how they want the modules done is they have uh, specific directories for your scripting. So there's like a configuration folder that has you know where some of the stuff is configured. There's a folder for examples and then there are public and private folders. And the public folder is what's facing the solution. So that might have the scripts that actually get attached to buttons or are called from other scripts. They're, they're subscripts for other, other things. So that's where that stuff comes from. And then there's a private folder, which is all the scripts that are used by the module that you don't touch at all. It's completely internal to the module. So you, 
you put them in and you you leave them go. You don't do anything with them. Whenever you want to implement one of these, they also give you the each each individual module usually has instructions for how to copy it over to your solution. Mm -hmm. So moving a module into another solution, you just do it the way that they say, which is usually copy your custom functions first, then your tables, table occurrences, fields, layouts, and scripts in that order. Right, because if you do them out of order, there can be problems. We've run into that before. Yeah, it's just, it, usually things will still work ultimately, but it's a lot more to fix. And whenever you're bringing over the scripts, you can also import scripts. Right. And a benefit to using the import rather than the copy is you actually get a log file to mm -hmm. list out any errors that happen. Oh, yeah. When you paste, it just pastes and whatever breaks, breaks. And then you have to go through and look for or use a tool. To uh, find the errors. Yeah, to find the errors. So we've been working with modules for a while. Mm -hmm. There's a couple that we use pretty regularly. So what's the ones that you're putting in? Um, well... Lately, we've been using the accounts module. Uh, so that's modular user account management, Darren Burgess from Mighty Data. And we've used that in a bunch of solutions. It's very, I think it's developer friendly as well as user friendly in terms of how it was set up. The instructions were very clear. There were a lot of steps. And I remember the first time that we implemented it, I think I had to go back and redo a couple things because either I did them in the wrong order or I edit because in, in that module in particular, because it's dealing with security and security is not something where you can just throw variables at it. You know, you have to test creating the account and then there, there's uh, the privilege sets have to exist in the script before you can use the module. The privilege sets that are defined in the module you have to then define in your file. If you define new ones, you have to grab that. There's a whole chunk of the script where, because it has to validate the existence, and then it has to create. Well, there's a certain amount of hard coding. And, that, and that's, that's what I'm talking about. Being taking, so if you want to add, uh, it comes with the two privilege sets built in, the manager and user. I think those are, I think it's priv1 and priv2. It's, it's that generic. It's that generic. So, so it's, it's set up with, Two generic accounts and privilege sets. yeah, two generic privilege sets. So the module comes with two defined generic privilege sets. And if you go into the scripts, both the uh, in the public scripts, and update everywhere that it's referencing the privilege sets. So if you have in your solution uh, a manager privilege set and a user privilege set and an admin privilege set that you want to use, you basically would copy that chunk of text. And it literally says that in the script itself. Copy this chunk below. Oh, it's very clear. It's very well documented. And so you just duplicate that three times, change the name of the privilege set, and you're done. I thought he did a wonderful job in packaging of the module. I, I should have looked at it before, but there's something in his instructions that say, follow these instructions the way they're written. Yes. If you don't, you're going to... You're going to be redoing it. Yeah. And, and it's true. It's very hard for... <laughs> People who advanced, don't like to read instructions. For, well, for advanced developers in particular, right. it, we know, we know mm -hmm. how to do this stuff. And you jump around with how you're thinking that the work should be done and you're kind of stepping ahead a right. little bit. 
and it makes it a little bit more difficult to, you know. It, it but that's also, I, I, by screwing it up, of course, I learned a little bit. And then, too, if, if you're, you know, we've done this several times and incorporated that module into several solutions. Uh, when I go to incorporate it again into a new solution, I will go back, refresh my memory, bring everything over. So I think I might know how it works <laughs> from last time, but if it's been six months, you know, I want to go refresh the documentation. So what other modules have we used lately? The other one that I use a lot is the virtual value list, which mm -hmm. is Jeremy Jeremy Bonte. Jeremy Bonte, right? Mm -hmm. In his about in within the script, he references all there's a bunch of other people that develop either inspired them right so help, he credits help, them yeah there's a lot of credits in there and it's it's a very for when when you need it it's an extremely useful module oh yeah I, and, I love the virtual value list yeah virtual value list so uh, if you're a file maker developer you know what a value list is and the limitations of value lists so you either have a dynamic value list or you have a hard coded value list. Mm -hmm. So if you want your values listed in a very specific order that is not alphabetical, right. then you hard code your value list. Mm -hmm. Or you use one of, there's tricks you can use to work around that. Mm -hmm. But with the virtual value lists, you're building your value list in a variable, in a uh, double dollar variable. So when you're building something like that, as you can imagine, which works extremely well with SQL calls, you can build it any way you want, and that's how it displays. Right in whatever order you do it. So the first time I used this was for a project that they had a whole a whole mess of value lists where the values needed to be dynamic. Because mm -hmm. these were names, right? You were it, selecting For the from... most part it was names. It was it was individuals' names and company names, mm -hmm. you know, integrated, which if you're using a party model is not in is certainly not impossible. But along with that, they wanted one of the choices to be something like unspecified, like the mm -hmm. word unspecified. Right an option for add a new record mm -hmm. or NA for right. some. So it was a, a variety of things. And they had very specific requests for how that worked. And sometimes as a developer, you can, in talking to them, you can come up with alternatives for some pieces of that. And like I said, with just with regular value lists, you can work through tricks to, to make things like that work. Uh, by creating new tables that are designed just for the value lists. And, right. You know, when you don't have to, <laughs> when you have your value list already in there and all you got to do is build this virtual list and, and it just works, mm -hmm. uh, uh, it's it's so useful. It's great. The accounts module and the virtual value list are by far my two favorites. And they, they're modules. They just plug in and they mm -hmm. just work. I'll agree that the virtual value list is a wonderful module too and we've put that in everything but anymore we just drop it in we because it it, in it's very way. light it's not it's it's one of the easier ones to implement mm -hmm. there's there's fewer steps and um another tip would be that if you have uh if you have starter files um as a consultant you may have a uh, a file that you kind of put all of your tools into to create a fresh file for a new client. And if you put the modules into your starter files, that makes it a lot easier for you to roll that out and deploy for multiple projects because you're just duplicating your starter files and then customizing from there as opposed to having to you know create new files for your client and then bolt these on individually. And with the virtual value list, actually, there are, there are a couple limitations that 
could be deal breakers depending on your situation. Right. As far as I can tell, there is no way to put a breaker line in your list if you want to group together your values mm. in the value list. In When you're hard coding a value right. list, you the just dash. put a dash and that'll create a break line. In you virtual could, value list, it doesn't work because you could... You could, you could, yeah, you, you could, could fake it, right? But then it would be a selectable item. Uh, yeah, but with the script triggers, you could ignore it. But it's still, it's a pain. Yeah, 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 and it's not working the way it should. And another limitation is the, the length of the list. The right? length of the list. How many items you can have in a list? One hundred and twenty, one hundred twenty-five. Yeah, it's something, something around there. It's, it's kind of low, but I mean, when you're thinking about a drop-down or a pop-up menu. That that's a lot. Yeah, and my my understanding is that there's there is a, there's of course a technical reason for why that is the case. Mm-hmm. My understanding is mm-hmm. that there's a certain amount of intention with that mm-hmm. because value lists in yeah. general should not have five hundred items. Right. If you have a hundred items in your drop down list, then you need to filter that criteria with another value list. So the modules designed right. with up to three lists that you can have going at the same time. Yeah, so you, maybe so you could more, but yeah. Right, I'm sure you could build more in because it's it's more fields. Yeah. Because remember there's the the value and the mm-hmm. ID, you know, so but the hardware quote unquote <laughs> to maintain three separate virtual value lists is pre-built into the module. So if you put that in and uh, again, if you have uh, say you're creating a list and people are purchasing you want to list groceries, well, find the category, define a category for the groceries so that people can drill down, which is natural and um, it's going to help your solution anyway. So I think that's a a good, a logical piece of advice that Mm -hmm. if your value list has 100 items in it, you need to take a step back and add a filter. That might be a very practical move. So some of the other ones that we've used, we don't use often, but we have used... M calendar, which just does a little pop-up calendar. It's not a calendaring system. It's just a selection thing. Now, with M calendar, that is, uh, the M is for mobile, right? Because this was to help on iPad or iPhone solutions where you did not want to use the little kind of roll wheel calendar option. Right. This was to give a little popover calendar and just give that as an option. And I remember... Because one of the problems with the calendar, with the, with the wheels, and one of the solutions that we were working on a while ago where we incorporated this, the users kept putting in, they would end up changing the year for something. You know, they would be selecting the date and they'd bump the year. And now all of a sudden the date is really not right. Um, so the calendar was a big saver for um, the right data without having to mess around with error checking on a date field to say, oh, this date shouldn't be, should be within 30 days or something like that. You know, you, we didn't have, we would have had to do that yeah. everywhere. It worked out a lot better with the M calendar. And to continue giving credit where credit's due, mm-hmm. uh, that's Laszlo. I think it's Vida, V-A-J-D-A. Mm-hmm. Another one we have is the bullet field, which was more useful before we had bullet field option built into FileMaker. Right. And we used that back when we were, um, that was FileMaker 13, yeah. when we were deploying that. And that was another mobile where we used it. That one's credited to Karsten. Then the Daniel Smith did the JSON functions. Jeremy Vonte has another uh, FM JSON type 
module. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about that one. I will show it to you later. Okay. And Daniel Smith has the plugin manager, which is one that I used a, a, several versions of, several versions of FileMaker ago. That works extremely well and is very useful if you have that need. Now there's a whole slew of other ones, and I didn't want to go through them all because there's just too many. We have one of our own modules. We haven't posted; it's only used internally. But we have a module that does monitoring of FileMaker usage, so it tracks logins and logouts of users and what scripts they're running and what parameters they're sending and it just tracks all that stuff and it's not that hard to drop into other solutions because that's rolled into our audit log system that's yeah right mm -hmm. when the going back a little bit when the accounts module the first time i saw that my thought was well i'll just build my own because what do you just need to be able to change a privilege set for somebody mm -hmm. or add a new account that can't be that hard oh man just drop in the module there it does so much and so much error checking i just do not think it's worth building your own not at all right. for what it does right it's absolutely it's worth every it's worth every penny right <laughs> well more than that but yeah it's it's just awesome yeah the accounts Accounts modular, we just can't say enough good things about it. Yeah, highly recommend it. The way a lot of these modules work that are referencing pieces, they're using FileMaker has given us so many tools to, to enable abstraction, set field by name, and there's the design functions that let us get field names and table occurrence names and all that stuff dynamically. And using SQL, you can get some of that stuff too. And that just gives you a... It makes these modules... We're moving more and more towards what all they can do and how well they can be developed because of these tools. So I love what FileMaker's been doing now that we can also... So we can we can copy and paste custom functions. We can copy and paste value lists. We can copy and paste scripts or import scripts, which you should do because you get the log. Yep. We can copy and paste layouts, sort of. When you're doing that, you just need to go create your layout parts first. Right, so everything fits. So everything correctly. fits. So create your yeah. layout parts, size them appropriately, and then go and copy and paste the, the objects on the layout. Mm -hmm. But that works fine. And, but as long as everything's done in the order that it's supposed to be done. Because if the fields don't exist if, when you paste the layout, then they can't reference the fields right. <laughs> that they're supposed to. And then you could be going through, if you have a layout with a whole bunch of fields, you could be fixing a lot of things. Which there's tools to help with that. We're going to talk about them on different podcasts. Sure. Uh, another thing about the modules that, that some of the modules do that's really nifty is um, some of them are built to interface with external APIs like the Google Calendar. That particular module, it gives you the instructions on how to create a, you know, that you have to go create a developer account and you have to have an account that belong you know that has the calendar you can go get your authorization key and it has fields to put the information you need you need a place for your client id and your key and your token authorizations and, and those things that you require to be able to consistently communicate with an external api it has has those fields it has the scripts that will bundle your information appropriately if you, it has a table for it has a table for a calendar and a table for the events it's built to have one calendar and then multiple events 
but it's very easy to take those pieces out and put them into your own file and then tweak it a little bit to have multiple calendars and then have your events off of that. So we deployed that in a solution where, you know, we have a tasks and then if the task needs to be added to the calendar, you check the box and then the subscript goes and creates the calendar event. And when it does that, you can just go to Google Calendar and it pops up. So these modules, they're doing the heavy lifting in terms of writing JSON for the external API. Now that particular module doesn't allow you to sync. So it does not have built in the ability to edit an event in the Google Calendar interface online and then pull it down into FileMaker. But he does say, I think in the module documentation, if you're curious about this, let me know. Now that, that module is also a couple years old at this point. So I don't know if he's still telling people that, <laughs> you know, if he'll, if he'll still reply. But that's, I think, another really useful feature of the modules, you know, the ability to just tap in. Well, cool. So that's modular FileMaker, FileMaker modules, programming <laughs> modularly with FileMaker. Right. And, um, and we'll have the link to modular FileMaker in the show notes. And there's a, there's a decent amount of information available online. Do you Google modular FileMaker? You're, you're going to get a bunch of links. It's, mm -hmm. it's, uh, there's some different information on different people's websites. Uh, aside from the modularfoundmaker.org. But yeah, it's a good place to go and search. If a, if a client comes to you or your company says, oh, I wish we could work with MailChimp, there's a module for that. So go to that website first and see if there's something there, a tool there that you could use rather than trying to roll everything yourself. Yeah, don't reinvent the wheel. So thanks for listening. Remember that uh, if you want to get in touch with us, we are at Off the Record at ProfileDevelopers.com and our website is ProfileDevelopers.com All right, thank you.